It's Wyatt's World with Wyatt Wheeler. Presented by the Springfield News Leader. I wanted to start out by thanking you for listening last week's first episode of Wyatt's World. The reception was about two and a half times, at least by the time of this recording, better than I thought it would go for the first edition. So I would like to thank you for that. Welcome to the second episode of Wyatt's World as we get going here with a new week. Last week, you heard from Art Haynes' in-depth interview with the voice of the Bears as he continues to fight back from West Nile. But this week, we're turning our attention to high school sports. You're going to hear from Art plenty as we go forward throughout different types of episodes. He's going to be involved in this. You're going to hear from him a lot more than you have recently. But this week, we're going to focus a little bit on high school sports. And what I wanted to do was sit down with Nixa head coach John Perry. He's going to have one of the best teams in the Ozarks this year. And I just really enjoy how he goes about coaching these kids. He's a coach that if I was a father right now, would be somebody I'd say I want my son to play for. So I think he's that type of coach and he wins and he makes it fun all about the kids. So I sat down with John for about 45 minutes and talked about his influences on what made him him and how he's able to go about installing a culture and a program that has turned into a winner while making it fun and all about the kids at the same time. I learned a lot by listening to this and talking to John. I hope you will too. Here's my interview with John Perry. So you're going the year four. Um, Nixa was kind of a team that hung around 500 before your arrival, but just kind of going back and looking at what you had to do immediately to establish a culture with this program to get it to where it can get a co-championship last year and what everybody in the area considers to be the toughest conference in the Ozarks and arguably in the state? Well, I think, number one, you know, we kind of follow the performance pathway that says, you know, the leaders create the culture that drives the behavior that gets the results. And if you take that, you can reverse engineer with, you know, whatever results that you want, you know, like we have to define what they are and we are, our results are clearly defined. Then we have to teach the behaviors, you know, that want to drive to get those results. And that's, you know, as, as the leader of the program, that's my job to create a culture that, you know, drives those behaviors that can get us the results we want. And from day one, it was, you know, be intentional about where are we going? How are we going to get there? What type of people are we going to get there with? And, you know, that was, uh, and it was a blessing. The COVID, I think, was a blessing for us because when everybody got shut in, you know, we started Zooming. You know, we started Zooming on what's the vision of the program. What's our mission statement? What's our core values? How are we going to practice? What are we going to be about? Um, what are we going to stand for? And I think whether it's a football program, um, a newspaper, or a computer company, like you have to have, you know, that vision in place that everybody can attach to and chase um, with a passion. That's John Perry. He is going into his fourth year as a head coach of the Nixa football team. 
one of my favorite coaches in the area, Nick Tucker, because he has a lot of quotes. He has those Perryisms that we've kind of called them over the year, whether it's some of the ways he structures some of these sentences. But you recently launched a podcast, and we're going to plug that a few times on here, Never Stop Getting Better podcast. What, what made you want to do it? Well, I am a podcast listener. You know, I picked up walking about a year and a half ago. I've been a podcast listener for probably 10 years, and I have a routine of certain ones I listen to, and I love to wake up and try to figure out how to be better. So one of my goals in 2022 was to start a podcast for the purpose of serving other people as well as giving me an opportunity to you know, try to get better myself. And I actually did not accomplish it. I, you know, I just didn't figure it out technology wise. So I actually figured it out in 2023, better late than never. And, you know, it's a desire to help someone if there's anyone that, you know, we can help, but then it's also a desire to personally get better. Because as you know, when you you know, if, if I'm going to interview someone for a podcast, I'm going to research them. I'm going to read their book. I'm going to I'm going to put in several hours of work to interview them. And then I get the pleasure of, you know, having the conversation with them, which is going to make me better, um, you know, first and foremost. So it's kind of like when you get on the plane, you know, and they go over the part about the uh, oxygen mask when it drops, it says, you know, put it on yourself first. You got to help yourself before you can help other people. And I'm still in the process of helping myself, trying to be better every single day. And, you know, I've enjoyed interviewing the folks that I've interviewed so far, man. It has been a blast. Why never stop getting better? Well, because that's kind of one of our uh, goals in this program. It's one of our goals of our life. Um, DMGB, Doesn't Matter, Get Better, is one of our underlying uh, themes of this program. And that means that every single day I'm going to wake up and try to get 1% better. So, you know, instead of robbing the Brian kite, doesn't matter, get better. We just created the never stop getting better and felt like, you know, that kind of fits us and it fits what we're trying to do in this program. And that is to get a little bit better every single day of our life. So I, I want to go back and get to know where did John Perry start or where, what made him the coach he is. Where are you from? Just what's your football upbringing? What's your upbringing in life? Just what made you who you are today? Sure. I played uh, football at Pearl High School. You know, had a fantastic career. Um, I went to Heinz Junior College, played two years. I went to Harding University where I met my wife and played, you know, redshirted and then played two years and had a decent career, you know, and enjoyed it. And then my high school coach calls and gives me an opportunity to go back and coach at a 6A program as a first-year coach at my alma mater, uh, Pearl, spent uh, six years there, left, went to several different schools, bounced around, got my first head coaching job in like 2000, 2001, um, took a program that had not been very good, and we won, you know, nine or ten games the first year, were there five years, and then my alma mater had fallen on tough times and got the opportunity to go back there, and that was fantastic, and None of that happens if the phone call in 1989, when I go to Heinz Junior College, I spend about five days there, and my roommate, who was a a friend from Pearl, decides that he's going to quit and go home. And, 
it was tough. We were practicing three times a day. My girlfriend had broken up with me. I was homesick. Like, all this stuff was snowballing. And then he quits, and he calls his dad one day, sits down on the bed, calls his dad, and says, Dad, I'm coming home today. And his dad said, come on, son. So he goes, I go back, I go like to two or three more practices, and I got this in my head, and it's, man, it's, life's rough. I don't think I'm ever going to find another girlfriend. You know, football's tough. The coach is crazy. And finally, I decide, man, what my friend did was pretty good. So I'm going to do what my friend did. I'm going to quit. So I go turn my key in to Coach Murphy. I walk back to the dorm. I sit down on the bed just like my buddy did. I call my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm coming home today. I quit. And his, uh, what he said was not what my friend's dad said. What he said was, you can quit if you want to, but find you somewhere else to live. You're not welcome back here. So I said it, and he hung up. And it wasn't one of those, you know, he's playing conversations. It was legitimate. So I sat down on the bed, and I thought, where am I going to go? Like, I don't have anywhere else to spend the night tonight. I'd already turned my key in. I can't go home. Our closest family is about three and a half hours away in North Mississippi, and they a little bit, woo-woo, you know what I'm saying? So that wasn't. So I thought, man, I better walk back over there and see if I can get my key back. So I walk back over to Coach Murphy, and I'm like, look, I don't really want to quit. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, is there any possible way I can have my key back? So he gives me my key back graciously. I go back to the dorm, and then life picks up. If my dad had said, come on home, I'm not sitting here talking to you. I'm probably not a football coach. You know, like, life totally changed from there. You know how sometimes one incident can change the whole trajectory of your life. And, you know, that's one I look back on, and I thank my dad for doing that because, you know, had that not happened, you know, I don't play at Hines, I don't transfer to Harding, I don't meet my wife, you know, I, I'm not coaching in Nixon, Missouri today. So, you know, that's kind of the path summed up pretty quickly. Yeah, you, I mean, you're not a quitter. <laughs> when you started that, it's like, oh, is he going down the route where he actually quit? But no, dad says, don't quit. Oh, where in there do you just start to form kind of what makes you you as far as coaching philosophy? And I'm sure you preach that stuff to the Eagles all the time. Sure. You know, and that's one of those things when I tell that, I think, man, like, you know, we preach against quitting. We do, man. Like, we don't, we don't, we start something, we're going to finish it, you know. But I also think that, you know, it also stands that you need people in your life that will be truth tellers and hold you accountable. We are not meant to do life alone. We are not meant to be without a tribe. And, you know, thank God that my dad had, you know, more experience than I had at that point and, you know, was able to help me out. And then as life, you know, gets to rolling, I mean, adversity starts hitting and, you know, you are what you are, man. Like your identity is what your parents preached into you, what the groups that you, you know, attached to in junior high and high school and, you know, life was tough at first, you know, and, and it was probably, you know, I got fired after six years at Pearl. They hire a new football coach. I go in as an assistant thinking I'm a rock star that he'd be glad to have me. And in Mississippi, when they hire a new coach, a lot of times at the big schools, they let them hire whoever they want. So I go in for my second interview and he says, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go another direction. I don't need you. And man, what a, uh, learning experience that was because you know that was an awful day we had a two-year-old at the house i had to go home and tell my wife that you know i got fired from my high school which was you know embarrassing um you know but looking you know you fast forward now what i should have done that day had i not had the mindset that i have today is i should have walked out and said man that's awesome 
you know, the, the greatest thing in the world just happened to me because from that, I went and got a job with the best high school coach in the state of Mississippi, which was Bobby Hall. Spent three years with him, and then I got my first head job. You know, like everything football-wise picked up after that day. You know, like I might still be at Pearl. It might still be an assistant coach had I not got run off that day. And, you know, since then, you know, about 15 years ago, I picked up the habit of reading. Reading has changed my life. It has given me perspective. I mean, how we set our vision, mission, core values, you know, really comes from a ton of leadership books, from the way some of the best companies in the world, whether it be Google, Apple, um, Southwest back in the day, how they define their culture and how they got their people to uh, take ownership of their culture. Like reading changed my life, you know, and that's something that, you know, I wish at 18 I would have picked up a book and, you know, but I didn't. I was uh, probably 40, 38 before I picked up my first book. And that, you know, football, it doesn't matter what the business is. There's a book out there that's been written about leadership, about how to change a culture, about how to drive a ship. And, you know, I probably read a hundred books a year and that has absolutely changed the way, you know, that we try to uh, improve and teach leadership within our program and teach our young men to grow up, be successful. And you look at these failures, maybe, that you can call them from previous previous times in your life, whether it was you felt like you were failing to where you wanted to quit, you get fired from a job, you get turned down, and you say, I would look back at it now and say, oh, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. When do you start getting the perspective in your mind to where you, you look back at those things and maybe even if you were to fail now, you would still be like, hey, I'm going to be good. When do you, when's that flip switch to where these things are good for me? You know, probably somewhere throughout the course of, you know, of the reading, you know, I mean, you find out that some of the most successful people in the world were fired. You know, Steve Jobs creates Apple and gets fired, you know, like. All, all these things happen to people. The greatest people in the world have overcome sometimes the most adversity. So through reading, I didn't know that. I didn't know that failure was, you know, your first opportunity to learn something or failure was an opportunity to grow. Like nobody taught me that in school. If they did, I missed that class or I wasn't paying attention, you know, and that's one thing that we are intentional about teaching our kids. Like fail, there's no such thing as failure. Failure is not even a legitimate word. You know, like the only way you fail is quit. Anything short of that, it's a learning opportunity that, you know, tells you there's another way. There must be another opportunity coming. Like, you know, and it's one of the probably one of the best compliments that I heard one of our coaches say here after year one when he was asked, what is the difference now and then? And he said the greatest difference is the kids aren't, aren't scared to make mistakes. They're not scared to fail. Like, they're, you know, like, that's part of life. That's part of football. And I think when you start reading, you know, the great thing about books is you can have mentors that you never know, you know. So if you read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, it's going to completely change your perspective of life. You know, like, there are so many things that we can put into our heads that give us an opportunity to change the way we look at um, failure and any other, you know, any other adverse condition out there because you and I both are either going through adversity right now, we've just come out of it, or we're fixing to go into it. And, you know, the cup can be half full or half empty depending on 
what you put in. If you don't put great stuff in, you're not going to get great stuff out. And I tell my wife sometimes when I walk in and she's watching Days of Our Lives, I just walk in and say, garbage in, garbage out. You know, like whatever you put in, you're going to get out, you know. So you got to be careful what you put in. Yeah, I know that. My, my mother has watched that show and it's just like, I, <laughs> hey, there, it, there's some garbage. In there. No doubt I, about I, it. I don't get it. But um, you, t- you say that you bring up the story that your coach said, oh, these kids aren't afraid to make mistakes. How do you do that in a year? How do you establish that? How do you make these kids? Because these some of these kids have played the years before with the with the previous sure. coaches. And um, how do you change it? How do you get that to change in their minds? Hey, it's okay to make a mistake every once in a while. Sure, we are very, very, very uh, meeting heavy. Like we will meet every single day before we practice, before we do something. We'll have a meeting. We're going to intentionally teach the behaviors that we want. So, you know, 10 years ago, a coach would come in and say, man, this kid has bad body language. And we would talk about the kid and the parents. Well, then, you know, through learning and growing and trying to be better, we learn that it's not an The issue is we're not teaching them. So we intentionally have a lesson, a PowerPoint presentation that has pictures videos about body language so we are intentional about teaching them the things that we want so we'll have a team meeting we'll have you know a core value for the day so we'll do lessons every coach does a presentation on a core value um and we like in the summertime we start every single day of the summer with something a kid needs to know how to do it could be listening it could be molding a mouthpiece it could be anything we divide it up there's 365 things on our list every day a coach starts with something that a kid needs to know how to do you know and that's we are going to meet and teach the behavior that we want to see and today if we have something happens at practice that is um, negative in the behavior category I'm going to write it down on a practice schedule we're going to create a lesson and we're going to use it as an opportunity to learn you know like it's not Kids are going to do whatever they are taught to do. Like kids want to perform. They want to make you happy. They want to, you know, they are an example of us. They are going to act how we act. If I throw a fit on the sideline and act like a two-year-old kid, so are my kids when adversity hits. So we're going to have a lesson on, you know, how do we handle ourselves on the field? How do we handle ourselves when when an official makes a bad call against us? What do you do? You know, like, what am I going to do? What do I expect you to do? Like, we're going to try not to let them be left to their feelings and you know we're going to try to teach everything that we can that we want our kids to be and if you think about it football much like in life man we're teaching these kids how to be successful human beings how to hit the pause button between stimulus and response how to pause you know between an event and how you know the outcome happens and we are intentional about that because you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to help these guys move forward in their life in a positive direction and be good husbands, fathers, workers, you know, company owners one day. So we intentionally teach the behaviors that we want. And, you know, we have a vision. You can ask our, you can ask any kid on this team probably, what's the vision of the program? They're going to spit it out to be the very best program in the state of Missouri and to build leaders. That's our vision. Our mission is why? Why do we play football in Nixa? If you ask them, they're going to tell you because we want to make our family, our school, and our community proud. That's why we play. They're going to play football when I'm long gone, when they're long gone. But the purpose of Nixa football is to put a product out there that our 
community and our school and our families proud of, and they know that, the core values, our family, hard work, commitment, uh, positive attitude, courage, and compete. That's our six, all right? We put one to a day of the week. Monday's uh, family, Tuesday's hard work. We go through, we put two on Friday because Friday is an important day for a high school football player, and they know what they are. You know, like if you ever notice on our helmets, we have a DMGD sticker in the top. They had to pass a written test of what all that stuff is, or they don't get their DMGB sticker. So if you see one without that sticker, you know, tap him on the back and tell him, look, man, next time you need to study more. You know what I'm saying? But most of them will have it because, you know, they do know what it is and we are intentional about teaching it. You bring up all of that. That's not X's and O's. That's not, that's not the game on the field and what's uh, contributing to, I mean, the plays that score points. How do you do all that? Make it about the kids, make it about growing the kids and still be a COC champion and a favorite going into the season and being one of the best teams in the state year after year. Well, I think those things are probably more important than football. You know, I think how you play the game is more important. Why you play the game is more important. You know, like, and I often have said this, and football is not the most complicated sport in the world. The objective is to get three and a half yards every time you have the ball. You know, do that three times, you get 10 yards, and just don't mess it up. You know, like, don't – I think I think about – I grew up playing ping pong in a mental hospital with uh, mental patients. That was one of my summer jobs. And, like, when I played ping pong, I just tried to get the ball back over the net. I just returned the ball. Eventually, if you'll just return it, they'll try to slam it. Well, high school football is the same way. If you will hang on to the football – and just try to get three and a half yards, don't turn it over, don't do anything stupid, don't get stupid penalties, you're going to win your fair share of games because a lot of times other folks will just screw it up. That's just what they do, you know? So we are more intentional about teaching, you know, the behavior skills that we believe that it takes because holding on to a football, everybody knows how to protect a football. But if you're protecting the football for the purpose of, you know, making your school, your community proud, you know, like for being the best program in the state, you hold it tighter. It means more to you, you know? So I think the behavior skills that it takes is more important than the actual game because you're going to see people win with any type of defense, any type of offense. You know, there's a team in Arkansas that never kicks or punts or, you know, I mean, like there's a hundred different ways to do that. What separates people is how they do it. What is their mentality? How hard do they play? How much will they give? How much effort will they give after they're tired? You know, like their attention to detail matters. And I think that's what we're trying really, really hard to teach. Now, we're going to do the football stuff, you know, like we're going to run power, counter, throw the quick game, and we're going to rep it, rep it, rep it, rep it. Um, but, you know, I think when you, uh, know why you exist, why you are a part of a team, and what's expected of you. I think you go out there and you put more into it. Going back to year one, how long does it take to get them to buy into that? Because um, there's, a, there's always the kid that's going out, just give me my touches, just give me my catches. I want to play quarterback. Just where did you see them start to buy in? Because, I mean, I've covered you for three years now. I've seen how these kids react, and they're bought in. Sure. Well, you know, I think sometimes if you go into a program that has been winning a bunch of games, you know, and they win 10, 10 games a year before you get there, buy-in can be tough because they were winning. So anything you do 
that's different, you know, they question. I have been fortunate now, I don't know how or why, but you know, every time I've taken a job, you know, at Kosciuszko, they had just went, I think, one and nine. At Pearl, they had just went two and eight. I'm not sure what they were here, but you know, like, if the program has not been ultra successful when you get there, I think buy-in happens automatically. I think they're ready to buy in. And as long as you don't mess it up, they're going to be all in, you know? So you do have, you know, kids that are selfish. You do have kids that, you know, want the ball. And man, that's a daily fist fight. You know, like we have a kid right now. I have a kid that I coached at Pearl that is an all-conference player at Memphis that as a 10th grader, we would meet every single day. Because in the offseason, we ran these things called 200s, and he hated them. Like, he hated them. He didn't want to do them. He'd want to quit. Like, we would talk every day because his mindset went negative when he got fatigued. So we would meet every day about how to overcome that mindset. I'd show him videos of, you know, people that overcome and people that, you know, and I think it's a daily fist fight, you know. So when you have a kid that, you know, might have that tendency, we just will spend more time with them, you know. Like, we will have – more lessons, it may be a two-minute lesson walking off the practice field every day about why, you know, do we play football? We don't play football for a long green to get 30 touches and rush for 250 yards. That's not why we play. We play football to make our school proud, to make our community proud. However we play, we play because of what the other team allows us to do. If they're going to drop six people, then we're going to hand it off 50 times. If they're going to, you know, put eight or nine in the box, we're going to throw it. You know, like, that's not – we don't – you know, like we can't control, you know, the, the outcome of a game. We really can't, don't control how many times we run it and throw it because we're, we're going off of what they give us or what they want us to do based on how they play defense. So we just have a lot of micro lessons that, you know, try to push our vision, mission, core values, and our goals. You adapt to each kid too. I mean, when you're talking about spending two minutes or writing down a note to help, that, to help a certain kid out, how important how have you noticed that player coach relationship because you, you love these kids these these kids love you just how do you earn that trust how do you build that up throughout uh your throughout your i mean every single day you're working on that sure and i think you know we try to think about trust you know like just giving trust away you know and just give it to people man like trust them and then you know if they let you down they let you down but like with these kids I think I want them to trust me to know that I have their best interest at heart. And then, you know, if I let them down, then, you know, I'm going to be man enough to apologize. And, you know, I'm not a screamer and a holler, but about, you know, two years ago, I got on Connor Connecto uh, after a pass and it was, it was a bad moment. Like I, I responded poorly, you know? So as soon as I do, you know, like I go to Connor, I said, man, I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't have done that. Like that was below the line. And I should, you know, like, take ownership. And I think in this world we live in, that's probably a piece that more people miss than any is take ownership of your own decisions and, you know, be vulnerable, like be a real person, you know, like they, these kids, they know a fake when they see a fake, you know, like if you're one way here and you're one way at the house, man, they see through that so fast, you know, like I think be who you are, you know, and I think that's one of the blessings that I have is the fact that I made an 18 on the ACT. I'm not smart enough to coach, say, Jackson Cantwell. But what I am smart enough to do is to be me. You know, like, you're going to get the same person that these kids are going to get, that my wife's going to get. Like, I'm just me, man. I'm not smart enough to act like somebody else. And I think 
kids in general, employees in general. They want authentic. They want people that are vulnerable. They want people that are themselves and people that can add value to others. And, you know, that's what we're going to try to do every day. Yeah, you mentioned Connor there. He's one that I think of here. I think of Reed Potts and how he played on a torn ACL his entire senior year. I listened I listened last night to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, the podcast he recently launched, and listened to Wyatt Vincent just talk the way he talks. And that's not a it's not a normal uh, he's a normal kid, but sure. it's a little different than what you're used to hearing. What do you? What are the? What's the thing about these kids where you see that buy-in where it takes them to another level? I know Spencer Ward's another one of those. Stephen Ward's one I still see apply some sure. of those traits in a couple of years at Missouri State. Well, one of the things that we do early on, I mean, this was the first thing that we did here is we develop and start a leadership council. And the way we pick our leadership council is, I ask all the coaches to rank our kids one through. 12, 1 through 10, 1 through 12, with the highest influence ability. So it doesn't matter if they're influencing people in a good way or a bad way. It doesn't matter. If they have power to influence, and then we tally the votes, and the top 10 or 12 we put into a group, and we intentionally start teaching that group how to be a positive influence. And it's a little bit extra. It'll be an hour every single week, um, whether it be at school or this offseason it was at my house. But we take that group and we teach, you know, like we fast forward, fast track them in what a leader is because they are people that influence other people, you know? So like you can influence somebody bad or good. You're still a leader, right? I mean, leaders that have an influence ability are leaders. We just want them to be influencing them in the right direction. And then from that, relationships are built, you know? So you get like a Wyatt Vincent. Wyatt Vincent will come into the, weight room every morning at seven o'clock school starts at seven thirty, and he'll sit down beside me and you know we'll just talk we'll share videos of david goggins or chad wright or you know we're gonna send messages back and forth with things that we've read or listened to or you know and you just start developing relationships with kids that you know can serve as a person that influences other people you know and then before you know it you have wyatt leading a uh you know, a class in here himself, you know, or or doing a pregame speech, you know, with our team because, you know, we have that relationship and I know that whatever he delivers is going to be good. And it's just intentional. It's no different than, you know, if you want to have an influence on somebody else, you have to have a relationship. To have a relationship, you have to communicate. So you can't have, you know, one without the other. Like you're not going to have a relationship if you don't communicate with the kids. So you know, we are going to try to, you know, talk to them on and off the practice field, in the school building, out of the school building. Like, we are going to try intentionally to build as good a relationship as we can, you know, because they will play their butts off for you if they know you care about them. If you do not care about them, then you're going to get effort when everything's going great. But when it goes south, they're going they to go south too. When in your career did you realize that that's how it was? I mean, you, I texted you, I texted you trying to get you for this podcast. I think you do as good of a job, if not better, than everybody in the Ozarks when it comes to making the program about the kids. Where in your career did you realize, hey, it needs to be about each individual on this team. I need to grow the kid. I need to grow the character on this kid. Uh, make them make the program what you want it to be. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind of you. I don't know that that's true, but it's kind. Um, I, you know, I've always been a, a kid-friendly person. One of the reasons why I wanted to go into coaching in general, you know, like one of my personal core values is make a difference and serve others. Like that's something that I love to do, so it, it matters to me. But then, you know, like intentionally, I read a book about 10 years ago by a coach in Texas, Randy Jackson, wrote a book, Culture Defeat Strategy. And I read the book and I thought, man, this guy's lying. Like this guy's printing a bunch of stuff that he's not doing. And, you know, I never really heard of having a classroom meeting before practice, you know, like about a core value. I didn't know about that. So I called him. I said, man, can I come spend a couple of days? And I knew I was going to go out there and catch him not doing a bunch of the crap that he put in the book. And so I go out there and spend two or three days and man, he's doing every single bit of it. So you know, like we just develop a relationship. We become friends to this day. We're very close. And, you know, I paid him to come into Pearl and to teach our whole staff how to deliver meetings, how to create a vision, how to create a mission. Like all of that kind of come from that experience. And that was when we really turned up the dial on being intentional about teaching behavior skills. You know, like if you tell me, when I come in here, when I ask the coaches, what's the number one problem here in Nick? So, you know, like right now, toughness. Okay, great. So the very first lesson we ever did was on toughness. You know, like we just started teaching a PowerPoint lesson. What is toughness? We showed them pictures of it. We showed them videos of it. We showed them movie clips from tough things. Like you can develop toughness without running into that brick wall. You know, like toughness starts in the mind. So, you know, just from that book, from that visit, from that, you know, uh, friendship. And then, you know, I am a huge, I told these, the, the administration here, when we sat down up there and interviewed, I took a pay cut. I'm teaching more classes than I ever taught in my life. Like in Mississippi, you don't really teach class if you're a 6A coach. You know, all that stuff was fine. My only request was, man, like, don't hold me back from going to visit other folks because I love to learn. I love to grow. I love to go visit programs that are doing it great. And, you know, my first day on the job here, was a trip to Web, Web City where I spent all day with John Roderick because I didn't know anybody here. There's a podcast, Coaching Coordinator Podcast, right? Because I love podcasts. That guy's been running that podcast, interviewing great coaches for many years. So I call him and I said, who's the best coach in the state of Missouri? He said, John Roderick. I said, you got his sale? Sure. So I get his sale and I, you know, but to me, that's how we continue to get better. You know what I'm saying? Go find people that are doing it great and copy them, you know, like, it's hard for me to invent anything because let's go back to the 18 on the ACT. I'm not smart enough for that, but I am smart enough to find people that do it right and try to try to emulate them. John Roderick, I mean, that's a coach within the conference that's opening that door to you. And, yeah. and you're the one beating him at the end of his career. <laughs> well, this is what I have come to know for a fact. The people that are the best, the John Rodericks, the Rick Jones, the Chris Yeagers, they will give you anything you want because the mindset is this, you know, like I can give you all this, but you're not going to go do it. You're not going to practice it on a 365 day basis. So, and, 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 and they want to help, you know, like he honest to God wanted to help me, you know, now a lot of the average folks in the world, they're not going to share with you. you know, like that one, they got that, that scarcity mindset that if I give you something, then you're going to turn around and beat me, you know, like, but the people that are the greatest, they don't mind sharing, you know, and that's why it's easy for me to call up Rick Jones or Chris Yeager or 
John Roderick or Mark Freeman, these guys don't mind sharing, man, because they know they're going to beat you anyway. People calling you? Well, we have, we've had people I come through, obviously. I think you're the best. But I will promise you, I will give them anything in the world, you know, because God put us on this earth to serve others and to try to make a difference. And, you know, I'm like Roderick in that if I can help somebody, man, I sure want to help them. What is it about this community and the school, too? Because it's not just you at Nixa High School. Right? Just watching the way Brock Blancet was this past year with those kids. Uh, just uh, the way he talks about the kids, too. He's like, hey, we're undefeated right now. But he's like, but we're just having fun. And he's like, we've just uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter if we lose a game. We're having fun. Sure. And this is the most enjoyable year. Jennifer Perriman did it before she departed. I think Jenny Tauber um, is a perfect fit at sure. school just because of how much care she puts in those kids. Just what is it about Nixa that allows you to do that? And I mean, the, the community buy-in to this program has to take the excitement for these kids to another level. I think our community is very hungry for successful programs, and they're different in the aspect that they're not judgmental, they're not harsh, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna get on the coach if the coach loses a game, they're not gonna, it's different in that aspect, man. They are here to support and to build as a parent group, and that's unique. Everywhere is not like that. You know, there are other places you go, man, like you lose a game and they want to run you off and throw you under the bus, you know, or you got eight parent meetings set up. And, you know, I was kind of told that before I got here, but then I have seen that play out, man. Our parental support is great. It's about growing. It's about being better. It's about supporting. They do not try to coach. So then that gives you as the coach the flexibility to be human, you know, so then you get – the coaches that, you know, like Logan Hughes or Brock Blessed or Jennifer that, you know, they're real people. They are investing in these kids' lives. And you got to give some credit to the people that are doing the hiring, you know, whether it be Brandon Clark or, you know, the administration team or whoever it is. I mean, they're hiring. that They have a thought of what they want, and they're hiring to that want, you know. And I think that's, that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. Um, I mean – you can't think the love that the kids not even playing football have for you. How much, how much are you investing in the kids that aren't on the football team? Because I'm sure that's a part of it for you as well. What are you teaching? Well, you know, like building a relationship with kids, like the, the, the positive that comes out of teaching weight classes is you get an opportunity to build relationships with other kids, you know? So it doesn't matter if it's a baseball kid that don't play football. If it's a basketball kid, I mean, like the relationship with Kel Combs started in a weight class. You know, I was just interested in his life. Like, it doesn't, he didn't have to play football. He didn't have to, you know, like, I just want to be someone who can add value to these kids' lives as I can. And I've had some awesome relationships come out of the weight class with kids that, you know, have graduated and, you know, like Emma Vincent, who played softball here. Like, you know, like we were close because she wanted to be great. And I had, I was working on some mental performance, you know, stuff myself, and I'd run it through her, just trying to add value to her. And, you know, so I think when you do not become selfish and think that, you know, like it's easy for a football coach to give to the football players and then kind of be mad at the other sports kids that don't play. That's called selfishness. And I've been there and I've lived that, you know what I'm saying? But when you take that out 
and you support everybody in this school building to the very best of your ability. You know, like when we do Leadership Academy now, we open it up to every athlete in this school. So we'll have softball, volleyball, baseball. Like there's all types of kids sitting in there, you know, with the school-wide Leadership Academy. That's about growing kids, and they know that. You know, now if you're a coach that's all about your sport, they know that too, you know. But So I think that helps on Friday night. You know, our student body's great. They, they're all in, and, you know, like I just want to – Try, let's go back to the mission, man. Our mission is to make our school proud. We want to make our student body proud. We want them to be proud when they come to the ball game. We want them to watch the game, watch the way we play, and be a better human when they leave it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that is something that we control is how we play. Excited for Friday night? I can't wait, man. We're so ready to play somebody else by this time, you know, in Missouri when you get 20 days in the summer and we don't do team camps strictly because – John Roderick didn't do team camps, and they didn't have them to have to win, so we figured we're going to skip out on that. So, you know, but by the time you practice 20 times and then fall camp, and, you know, we are anxious to hit somebody else for a little while. It's what makes this group special, something different than the previous years. Of course, the running back is a big question for you guys. and um, But, I mean, is the next talent, the next guy steps up, and you have some great players, whether it be Spencer Ward, Everybody's so excited about, about Jackson Cantwell this year. Um, great players all over the field. Well, I think the special part about this group is the team camaraderie. Like, they are absolutely awesome together, you know. And we do have some new guys at running back, some new offensive linemen, you know, and we're going to go through some growing pains, I'm sure. But this group will work. They will get after it. They will work hard. They will get better. Um, and I'm just excited to get the opportunity to coach them. You know, like they could be the first group that truly understand, you know, like we don't control the outcome. You know, like we don't control what that scoreboard says Friday night. You know, what we control is how we play in this play right now. And then let's try to, you know, put a bunch of plays together. And this group gets that. And it's a great coaching staff. The coaching staff is awesome. They're transformational. Like they are adding value to their group's life. Um, and the coaches are, you know, kind of what makes this place run. That's John Perry, the head coach of the Nixa Eagles and the new podcast, the Never Stop Getting Better podcast. So I said I listened to your interview with Wyatt Vincent last night. Very impressive kid. And then you look at some of the other bits you have in there. I like how there are some bite-sized episodes. It can be an easy start to your day. And then you put a lot of time into your interviews, put some impressive guests on there as well. So be sure to check that out wherever you get podcasts. John, this is, uh, I can't wait for Friday night and uh, to watch your kids play. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate the job you do. It's absolutely fantastic um, in your line of work. Everybody's not a rock star, but you are. And I appreciate the, the time and I appreciate you. And I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, Coach. Yes, sir.